0: when I started asking the Lord, okay, what am I going to say to a room full of my heroes in the faith? Like, like seriously, like the people that raised me up, all the encounters that I've had with Christ, I've had on that campground or in this room. And all of those men and the women of faith were there. And I'm supposed to say something to them. And the Lord reminded me that all scripture is inspired. All scripture is without fallacy. All scripture is without error, and it should lead our life. We should cherish it. We should study it. It should empower us. We should obey it, and it should, we, should, we should fully trust in the word of God before we trust in anything that we see with our eyes, feel in our heart, or think with our mind. He is the answer. And so I went and I said, if the Bible is not allowed to tell you no, you don't believe him. But likewise, if the Bible isn't allowed to tell you yes, then you don't believe him. And so we needed to lay down those preconceived ideas, those things that we dismiss, because if we dismiss any of his word, we dismiss God. And so we did that. But while we were there, there was a gentleman by the name of Pastor Ron Lagata, and he messed me up. I I cry, like my, my voice changes, my nose starts running, and my eyes well up. But while we were there, first of all, it was Ashlyn's message that I just lost it and bald, um because I just needed to get free of some stuff you know um and like I'm really tall so like bending down at the altar all of the tears were going up my head so like I had like black marks like I was striped it was it was funny it was really bad poor Keziah I turned around and looked at her um and and it was awesome. She did incredible ministry. That young lady, 19 years old, and incredibly wise. But while we were there, Ron Lagada got up. Pastor Ron Lagada. He, I think he's from California. I mean, he's from Brooklyn, but he lives in California. Um, he's very fun. I was enjoying his message. Anyways, Pastor Steve, did you get to stay for Ron Lagada? You had already left. Yeah. Okay. Because he was sad No, he was Friday night and Saturday morning. Right? Isn't that true? Well, Friday night, he started talking. How many of you guys love the story about Rebecca and Isaac? When I do youth ministry, I, like, use that in, like, True Love Waits and stuff. Like, this beautiful moment where, like, Rebecca's coming, and she doesn't know, and she sees him, and he's in the field, and she falls off her horse. At least that's what we heard. Or camel, excuse me. going to mess up the word. (laughs) Uh, She falls off her camel, and, like, she's super excited to, like, run to him. That's how we kind of. To, you know, preach shit, like there should be like this wholesome awakening that happens when it's good and godly passion, right? But we God, he gets up there and he tells you the story and then all of a sudden he stops. And I was already enjoying the message, Pastor Drew, and I know that you would agree with me. I was already enjoying it. He was telling the story super well. He was teaching us things. He was expressive. He was passionate. And then he looked at us and he said, you are the steward of another man's wife. And I was like, what? And he was focusing on Eleazar and the fact that Abraham made him make an oath. Like, like their oaths weren't like ours. Like their yes really had to be their yes and their no really had to be their no. There was going to be a serious consequence if he did not keep the word that Abraham wanted for his son. And so he walks us through the whole story and how He comes back, and my heart is just gripped with the reality that the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And because of that, as a minister, even to young people, I am the steward of another man's wife. Pastor Drew and the pastors in Carroll County, they are stewards of another man's wife. How would you treat her knowing that? How would you treat her knowing that she is the bride of Christ? And it messed me up because I love her, but I'm not always good to her. I can completely critique, destroy with my words and my thoughts, my lack of action. Like, I'm not always good when I steward the bride of Christ. And then he makes it even worse. (laughs) He's like, how did Rebecca know How did Rebecca know that that was Isaac? She had never seen him before. She had left everything that she knew, got on this camel, and was headed that way. Because Eliezer did such a good job. I'm going to say that again. He did such a good job at describing the lover of her soul. And then I was convicted again, like, do I do a good job before the Holy Spirit draws someone to him? Do I do a good job as a Christ follower telling them who Jesus is? Do I do a good job saying that he's beautiful and he's wonderful? Does my life reflect that? Not just my words, not just my worship's, my worship, not just the songs that I pick, right? Or the things that I say no to or the things that I say yes to. Do I do a good job at showing the beauty, the victory, the grace, the mercy, the promise, the joy that is in Jesus and him alone? Because Eleazar did a fantastic job to the fact that she knew it was him. She had never seen him, but she had seen him. She had never heard him, but she had heard him. She had never felt him, but she had felt him. And so he was making a demand on the leadership, the the shepherds, if you will, but also the body, the ambassadors for Christ, to realize what you've been given. It's It's not a tiny thing. It is the thing. This purpose in Christ is not the tiny thing in your life. It is the thing. And everything else that he puts in your hands is to glorify this thing. Is to steward his bride. Is to tell who he is to people who don't know him yet because he will reveal, reveal himself. He will. He is faithful. He is good. Remember, it's him that says it's his will that none would perish. That's his will. That's not our will because we're the nice church. We're the the welcoming church. That's his heart. When we partner with it, we're just partnering with him. And then the next day, so like that was good enough, right? And like it messed with us and we were like, okay, help me. (laughs) I need you. I need you to help me steward what you've given us and who we're a part of. But then even this morning I had revelation like I'm the bride of Christ. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Am I stewarding this well? Am I stewarding this well? Are you stewarding that well? It was awesome. He didn't say that part, so I got that one straight from Jesus. Anyways, I'll call him. I got something else for your message. No, no, I would not do that. And so then the next morning he gets up, and he cracks me up because he's always saying, like, he's his wife's pain in the neck, and he's just fun. I'm telling you, he's fun to listen to no matter what, and he's from Brooklyn, so just enjoy, you know, mentally what you can hear. But then he gets up and he starts talking about Jonathan's armor bearer. And I'm like, he's going to show us something I haven't seen in a story that I already know again. Because I know these stories. Is there anybody in the room that you know exactly what I'm talking about in these stories? Did you guys love it last week when Pastor Drew got up and he started showing us Jesus in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers? And you know what I loved? That I could see it because I'd been there. I could see what he was saying about Jesus because i had already been there. It was awesome, and that's how I felt. I'm like, okay, Pastor Ron Langata is going to get up, and he's going to tell the story I already know, but he's going to tell me something I don't know, and that's why I love the Word of God, and I love the body of Christ. And so he gets up, and he starts talking about this this war and strategy and like 700 men and like 3,000 men, and there was lots of stuff, like 700,000 men. Anyway, you'll have to read the story because I don't know it. But there's this battle, right? And like the people of God, the army of God is not as big as the army of the enemy, right? And I thought about it when you were talking this morning. He could have just easily... Because what's going to happen is to, to the Israelites, and maybe it did, they're going to see them all killing each other. It's this story, right, where Jonathan and Saul are in battle. You know, Saul's underneath a pomegranate tree with a sword, and which I didn't realize they were the only two people with swords either. Like, I missed that in the story. Probably because, like, okay, killing, killing, move on, just like the begots, they reproduce, and I move on, right? But I, I missed it. So there's two swords, like maybe 3,000 people, all fighting this army of like 700,000 people. And like Ron Legata is really getting into it. And I'm like, okay, I think I can see it. And Saul, who's tall, because Hebrews are short, is hiding under a pomegranate tree. And he's got all these men and he's got a sword. And then Jonathan is out with his armor and bearing. I can't say that word. So you guys know it. The guy, okay, he's with his guy. And he's got a sword, but his guy doesn't have a sword. And he comes up with this strategy, right? And his point was, like like in our house, Drew has a strategy, right? And he gets his strategy from the Lord. Like that's what, that's what we expect. That's what we should be praying. Lord, give our pastor a fresh word, a timely word, a word, Father God, that when he speaks, I can hear it, I can see it, I can obey it, Father God, that you would help me, right? And so when Jonathan tells his guy his plan, right, the plan doesn't sound good for him. It sounds like crazy. It sounds like death. It sounds like suicide. But he says, whatever is in your heart to do, whatever is in your heart to do, I will do it. And so they go out, and, and it works. Like, it works. And you read the story, and it's awesome. And then they look down, and it looks like, because then the Lord shows up. Listen. First, the strategy came. First, the strategy came like we're not just going to lay down and die. We are the army of the Lord. We're not just going to lay down and die to what's going on, to the spirit of this age, right, for the things around us where people are saying, you're crazy to be faithful. You're crazy to do hard things. You're crazy to keep going in that mess. You're crazy to preach abstinence. You're crazy to, like, all these things. Like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Okay, maybe. But you know what? We have a strategy And then as he goes out there and is faithful to the strategy, the Lord shows up. And they win. I don't know about you guys. We like to call it miracle math. But like 700,000. And like just so you know, some of the 3,000 were hiding. But what he reminds us is that the ones that were hiding when they started seeing the victory, they came out. They came out of their holes. They came out of their caves. And they joined the fight without swords, by the way. They joined The fight and he was telling us like listen you were called here whether it's today or for 10 years or three years or like me 20 something years like whatever you were called to whether it's here or some other place where the Lord is glorified and magnified and if he's not being do that you're not called there but if he is if he's being glorified if he's being magnified if he's being made known then you are called to be more than just a sheep that's sitting there waiting to be fed waiting to be led to the next place you are going to take the blindfolds off and get in the word and have your time of worship with Jesus and live your life to glorify him and help the man of God that the Lord has led you to to do this thing that's what we got this weekend it was amazing i i felt reminded i felt revived I felt renewed. I felt even, um, like the word encouragement is a, good, is a good thing. I felt encouragement as the Lord corrected me because I know me. And I know if I'm not being corrected, then I'm not listening. I know me. If the word is not correcting, challenging, changing, transforming, then I'm not listening. And so that's what I got from this weekend, Pastor. Is that okay? What I got? Someone asked for my notes, and I, I got tickled. I was like, "You can have them if you want. I don't know if you'll know what they mean.
1: Thank you the lord the Lord is faithful he's faithful, and I'm thankful for um I'm thankful for the people of this house and the direction the Lord is taking us and and man he's going to continue to do more and more in us and through us uh, Jesus will be made famous the the day is coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and how encouraging it is that we get to be a part of that he He is good the Lord is good um i'm I'm going to be brief this morning um if you'll just hang on here for just just a handful of minutes, not many um I want to take a just a pause uh, for a second from, we, we've been going through the book of John. I, I want to pick up there again next week in John 6, but today I want to take an aside to kind of just speak into some things the Lord's been laying on my heart. I think it's important for us to continue through John, but I also think it's important that as the Lord lays other things on our hearts for our congregation to stop and recognize those things and speak those things for us, so we'll continue on. And if you're like, "Oh man, I was all ready for John 6. Um I've been reading John six all week. Well, good, good. Uh, we might actually skip to verse sixteen and then come back to verse one the week after. I'm not sure yet how I'm going to do that. So just a heads up on that. Um, turn with me to Romans real quick. Um, like I said I'll, I'll be extremely brief, and just always know that if there's I know some people make plans and do things that if you ever need to just go, we're not going to, like, we don't talk about you after you walk out the out the door that you know of. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, we get it. We know Sunday is a day of rest and a day of family and fellowship, and so, um, you know, you never have to make apologies if you need to get up and go do things. But at the same time, We've set aside this day to gather together, so also we're not going to make apologies if it goes a little long, which does happen from time to time. Um, In Romans chapter 3, In verse 22, and I'm 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 highlighting the word grace today. Say grace. Say it again. And grace sometimes is defined as the unmerited favor of God. And I don't know how many of you use that word unmerited. Sometimes um, I'm sure there's some people in the room that are like unmerited. What is that? Uh, say undeserved. Undeserved favor from God. How humbling, how humbling that the God of the universe will favor us when we've done nothing but make a mess. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, and he, what he's talking here, when he says faith in Jesus Christ, he's talking about what we've been talking about in John, that, that God came in the flesh, as Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, then died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, what did he do? He took all of our sin, all of our shame, and he hung there. He, was, he died for the payment for our sin, which we fully deserve. We fully deserve to pay our own debt. And yet he said, I'm going to pay that debt for you, Right? And then he was laid in the grave, and three days later, and, and it was three days later, Steve and I counted it out the other day just to make sure, three days later, he rose from the dead. Jesus is alive right now. Jesus is alive right now. He is victorious. And so that's when he's talking about faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Messiah. That's what he's talking about here. But he says, there's no distinction. Look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I I love bringing this to to kids who haven't heard the gospel for the first time. Because you ask them, have you ever sinned? And, And it's the first time some of them will admit they've done something wrong in the past. There's always a few that are like, do I admit this now? Sometimes as adults we do that too, though, don't we? For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. But look at verse 24. That's not the complete gospel. It's truth. It's truth that we've all sinned. And we all fall short of his glory. But that's not the complete gospel. And verse 24 says we are justified by his his grace, his undeserved favor, his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's that grace that we have through Jesus, if we just skip over a couple pages in chapter 5, verse 15, and, and I'm holding up Jesus as an example, as this gift of grace. Say gift. It says, but the free gift in 515, it says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. It's not like the sin, right? For if many died through one man's trespass, talking about Adam, much more... Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Just reiterating a time and time again that there's this there's this free gift of grace. Flip over to Romans chapter 11. We'll, we'll keep it tight here. In 11... Look at verse 5, it says, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace, say grace. grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. It's on the basis of grace and not of works, or it says then grace wouldn't be grace, what is, it? is it in Ephesians that it says, it is by grace that you are saved, right? Not in yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. It's completely the work of grace in you from God to you that you now can stand righteously and confident before God right is it in hebrews it says that we can confidently come before the throne of grace to find help in the time of need like we don't deserve to stand before god but because of his grace we can confidently step up and say here i am lord because of his grace his grace gives us confidence and we know it's humbling don't we grace is completely humbling the grace of god Humbles us completely. So I'm setting this up as an example, and we all know this to be true. But the thing that's wrecked my heart over the last few days is how God has called us to be like Him. What is God like? Well, let me tell you what God is like He is full of grace. So what does that mean about Drew? He should be making sure everyone does exactly what they're supposed to be doing at all times. It means he needs to be making sure everyone's towing the line. He needs to make sure no one messes up. If you do mess up, I need to make sure you know about it. See, here's this thing that this this thing that plays out in our relationships is sometimes we're very quick to point out the flaws of the people, especially the ones that are closest to us. I don't know why that is. It's usually it's usually the people closest to us that we get after. Now, if it's a church member, usually, depends on how close we are, usually another church member, we're pretty gracious with them, but people in our own household some, sometimes we get short with. But I want to empower you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's sometimes it is the people in this church or or people you work with, and you just sometimes just, Anyone ever felt fed up before? Has anyone felt that? That wasn't grace that you were feeling in that moment, <laughs> Right? You can't take anymore. Can I, I want to do something today for you. I want to empower you with grace. Like there's something about it. Well, I'm, I'm not here to beat you over the head and say, you should be gracious. That ungraciously demand grace. What I want to do this morning is hold up what Jesus has been for us and say, this is the great example. What a wonderful opportunity we have to extend grace to one another. And can I tell you, it will empower you and your relationships will thrive as you begin to extend grace to the people around you. But Pastor Drew, what if they don't deserve it? Exactly. That's, that's the entire point. They don't deserve it. Um, have you ever been offended before? Anybody? Now, if you've ever been offended before, and the next time you feel offended, you catch yourself feeling offended, okay, just take a deep breath and go, wait, I have this wonderful opportunity to show grace. Now, you're not going to feel like that. What you're probably going to have to do is, Lord, I want to be like you. And this is incredibly hard. Because can I can I tell you how many hate it when people are judgmental towards you? And I I promise I'm almost done here. I really am. I've got like three more minutes here. I'll try to keep it real short. How many hate it when someone's judgmental towards you? Have I ever had anybody be judgmental towards you before? That's rough, isn't it? Can I say, when you're doing it to other people, which, which you never do, you're never judgmental to other people. You don't call it that. You call it, well, well, it's just me being right. It's just my way makes sense. I'm just right, and my way makes sense. But if you were to ask the other person, they would say you're being quite judgmental. I'm telling you, the next time you feel offended what you have is the this most wonderful opportunity to extend grace and this is exactly how it's going to go for a moment it's going to be painful and hurt and everything inside of you is going to be angry and scream no but they don't deserve it but if you'll say jesus i just want to be more like you Help work this grace that you've given me in my heart to extend towards that person. Can I tell you, I don't know how long it'll take. Hopefully it's just two or three minutes. It might take an hour. It might take a week. But can I tell you, on the other side of that, when you begin to extend grace to that person, there's just absolute freedom for you and them. For you and them. Um. I want to bring a couple scriptures to you, real quick, and then I'll I'll be done. Ephesians four twenty nine. You can just write these down. It says this. It says, "Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good, for building up. For building up, as fits the occasion." that it may give grace to those who hear. That I could talk in a way that gives grace to the person listening to me. And you're gonna fail at this sometimes, but can I say, if you find yourself failing at it, can you just give yourself some grace for a moment and try again? Sometimes it, it demands an apology. I'm sorry I wasn't gracious and and you have to try again. And the other person might not receive your grace the second time because you messed up the first time. That's okay. Then you get to give even more grace. Grace upon grace, upon grace. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says something similar. It says, "Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer" Each person, I love it. In First Peter four, he talks to us talks to us about being stewards of grace. Now, I loved how Jamie was talking about how like we, like we are all stewards of the body of Christ. If you're a leader in any way, you're a steward of the body of Christ, like of the bride of Christ. Excuse me. Like, like that that one hit me hard because I'm a pastor, and yes, I'm part of the bride of Christ, but. The people I pastor are the bride of Christ, and so I'm trying to lead you to him. You're his bride. How would I treat his bride? And how do we steward the bride? And, and that word steward means like a manager, like, like you were managing a household, managing an estate, right? And this word here, to be a steward, of grace, of course he's talking about giftings that we have, which is the truth of it, but but here's, here's what's so cool is that we are managers of God's grace. Like God has given grace to you. that's why I started with God's grace as the example God's grace as an example towards us and now we have it and we are now stewards of God's grace to hand out to other people. How awesome. Also, how painful, how painful is giving grace? Does anyone know how painful giving grace to someone is? Well, let's go back to our our wonderful example of Jesus. How painful was giving grace to Jesus? It killed them. It killed them. Hang on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing that that's how painful grace can be and yet how victorious Jesus was on the other side of that my my last my last scripture here James 2:13 let's let's flip there and I'll be done i just i want to give you an opportunity uh, and here's what's so wonderful can i tell you what's so wonderful you're absolutely going to have an opportunity to put my message today into practical practice at some point. Probably, some of you, before you leave the parking lot. I hope not. You're going to have to extend grace to somebody. Probably before the end of the day. And I love that. I love that we have a, a practical gospel I'm getting to James, let's say James. Our youth have been studying through James on Wednesday nights, and they're doing such a wonderful job of walking through this. In James chapter two. It says this in verse 13. For judgment is without mercy. To the one who has shown no mercy. And this says this, but what mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so this week today to grab onto moments to extend mercy and grace to the people around you so that God can be made famous through you.